Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to those biological, spiritual, functional mothers. There's many out there, and uh, we're grateful for you guys. And I know there's a lot of young families here who the husbands and dads probably had to wake up at like five or six to help get it ready. I see you. I, I've been there. <laughs> so grateful for you guys, too. Um, quick thing. Quick thing. The faith night. Um, many of you guys know we both also serve as chaplains for the Iron Pigs. Faith Night, June 16th. Um, the information's on there. But I wanted to give a quick little bit of information. Chris Dean and Matt Kay are leading a band on the patio section of kind of when you walk in the gate, they're on the right, and it's around all the food, and they're just going to be leading us in a time of kind of not quite worship but like really good music because you know it's Matt Kay and Chris Dean and it's gonna be awesome so if anything come out for that I'm gonna be pumped for that um Joe mentioned how he primarily teaches um I'm grateful for the way he allows in Riverbend we value diversity right we value diversity diversity ethnic diversity personality walk with Jesus, we need to hear from various voices and we learn and grow from them. So I am grateful that Joe shares this space to be able to open up to allow Christy to share this morning. So um, Christy's been with Crew for 23 years, been a little while. She has tons of ministry experience, wisdom, godliness to offer. So I'm uh, excited to hear. I, I'm not going to be able to stay for the whole thing because I got to bring Jesus to the, the ballpark. So I got to <laughs> run out. But I'm excited for you guys to hear from her. So welcome up, Christy. Hey. Thank you. Is this good, Tyler? Good morning. Well, happy Mother's Day. I love our church. I love that when I pop on social media real quick this morning, I see a, a meme. Not a meme. That's not what it is a little visual about just how God sees each of us, right? Where we are, the happiness, the joys, um, the hard things, and that we have a church that reminds us that God knows us and sees us. So I'm thankful and I'm glad to be here. So thanks for, thanks for sharing this space. And um, yeah, when Joe asked me if I would be interested in sharing things that God has been teaching me, I thought, oh, geez, I don't know. I feel like my life is a blur so often and so quick and so full. Really good things, but hard things too, as all of life is. Um, but as I prayed about it, I thought, oh, you know what, Lord? You have been sharing and teaching me some things in a very profound way and over a long period of time that I'm learning. Um, and I'm hopeful that it's encouraging to all of us today. So, um, Katie, or if you can throw up the first. This is my family. And I was looking for pictures to just kind of throw up there to give you an idea of like um, just where I'm coming from and how God has been teaching me. But what's weird is I don't remember this picture at all. I think I actually probably took it. That's my mom. Those are my four kids. And there's Grace Lee, who is a very dear friend of ours. But it's such a weird conglomeration of people. Like Ed's not in it. Grace is in it. I don't remember her being there. I don't remember my mom giving them valentines. I was like, that's not a good picture. But then I kind of looked back at it. And if you go to the next slide, I just wanted to point out 
that this is hanging in our kitchen. And that month, I decided to put everything on my phone onto this whiteboard in the kitchen where we live all the day long. And I color-coded everyone's. I even put like a different color for the boys because they have stuff together. It was the worst decision I had ever made. Every morning, I walked downstairs and I was under the pile. I was so overwhelmed every time I saw that. So I haven't done it since. I didn't do it in March, April, May. I put the big things on there, but we'll just let the, the intensity of it stay on my phone. I don't have to look at it every day. And then if you go to the next slide, I also wanted to point out my laundry room. This is the mud room from the garage to the kitchen. And it always looks like this, always. We have lived in this house for, I don't know, seven years now? I'm not sure. It always looks like this. And there's short seasons where we reorganize and we think, oh, this is going to do it. And then it always looks like this. And so I have a mother-in-law who I love dearly, who loves me. She's the neatest person I know. And she walks through my garage into my kitchen all the time. And every time she does, I'm like, oh my gosh, my laundry room. So I pointed this out to maybe bless somebody today, that you guys, if you are ever feeling like this, <laughs> this is maybe, maybe when we're empty nesters, if we're still in this house, we'll have a pretty laundry room. But it's not today, and that's okay. Um, so my oldest is 14, and our youngest is eight. And um, over these last couple years, and this last year in particular, I feel like the Lord has been um, reminding me how quick our lives go, like how fast the years are, right? How slow the days are, how quickly the years go. Um, and so I have been in the season of asking God to help me know what he would like me to put my hand to for the next decade. My youngest is eight, so if everything goes according to plan and tradition, in 10 years, she could be gone, and they could all be gone. And I thought, whoa, these 14 years have gone really fast, so I know these next 10 years will go fast. Lord, what would you have me do? Um, and that's kind of been my wrestling over this past year in particular. And so I'd love to share with you how God has interacted with me on that. I'd love to pray first. I know we've prayed a ton, but I would like to pray and ask God to just have this time. So would you pray with me? God, thank you for um, who you are. Thank you that you are good and real and big and that you love us. Lord, I pray that you would just have your way with this time. Would you speak to us, Jesus? Remind us of who you are, that our faith would grow, that our hearts would expand for you because of your great love for us. We give this time to you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Um, I came to Christ when I was 19. Um, I grew up with a great family, but in college is when I gave my life to Jesus, and I said, I... I think you are it, and I think my life needs to be yours. Um, and when that happened, a lot of things in my life changed, um, some fast, some slowly, and that's just the way it goes, right? But there was a one verse that um, really encouraged me early on, and it was from John, quoting John the Baptist, he must become greater and I must become less. And I thought, of course, I love this God, he's amazing. I would love for people to know about him when they see my life. Um, and so it was super encouraging. And then over the years, ooh, over the years, this actually started to become a little bit burdensome to me because I would realize more and more 
that I'm not really going anywhere. I'm not actually becoming smaller. And I'm always, in my mind, the center of the stage of my life. And I didn't know how to change it. And I kept trying to become less. And I thought, oh, I'm not doing well at that. Even when you, I would serve, I would think about all my desires that still weren't getting met. Or, you know, you name it. My ego was always there. And it became discouraging. So I just stopped thinking about it. I'm like, well, I'm not doing great at that. I don't quite understand. So I just kind of set it aside. File that away, because we're going to come back to this verse. But um, in my life, I've been leading with Ed, as Joe shared, with crew. We have four kids, and um, God's led us to teach him at home, and so we're doing that. And a couple months ago, I was sharing with my friend, with Aaron, that I was feeling an enormous sense of guilt or failure, like I'm not doing enough. Like I just feel like there's so much stuff out there that I am failing at or should be doing. And it was this like general feeling of guilt. It wasn't, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so I sat down with my journal and the word and I just started praying and I started writing down all of these things that I, I legitimately thought I should be doing. And it was ridiculous. It was like this paper of, things to do that I had, hadn't finished or that I should have started. And I thought, oh my goodness, I can see that it's ridiculous, but I also feel still like I'm guilty and I should be doing these things. And so it kind of opened my eyes a little bit to maybe something going on a little bit deeper in my understanding of God and my walk with the Lord um, and my understanding of, of me in his story. Um, and so a mentor started helping me think through um, my relationships, my walk with God, the way I spend my time um, through this grid. So if we could go to the next circle, whoop, not, that is a circle. This is the next slide. So here's a circle. Uh, and this circle represents um, my circle of responsibility. And there are some specific things that we all can put in here. So if you go to the next slide, I just put a couple. So as God's creatures, we're called, and followers of Christ, we're called to pray. That's my responsibility. We're called to love others. We're called to be faithful with our work, our school. We're called to confess when God shows us our sin. And so there's this, you could put so many things in there. You know, you think about it, like who has God put in your life that is in your circle? Your baby, your kids, if you're a wife or a husband, to learn how to continue to love your spouse. If you're single, love your neighbors, love your roommates, right? This is all within our circle. But there's also, okay, before I move on, um, there's actually, this is called a, a circle of concern and prayer, and it's by Steve Covey. And he actually has three circles, but we're not using those three circles. We're just gonna use two, because this is how God has been moving in my life and teaching me. So we're not gonna do the influence circle. So just, if you know about that, ignore it. So there's another circle, though. And this is God's circle. And in God's circle are things that are not ours to carry. And sometimes I think, and I know I have and still do, mix these up or put things in, in, in the wrong places. So within God's circle, his responsibilities and his jobs are really big. And, and we can all acknowledge these on some level. God's responsibility is that we are born where we're born. We didn't have control. We couldn't control that. In Acts 17, it says 
that God determined where we were all going to live, where we were going to be born, when we were going to be born. We weren't born in the Victorian, Victorian era, era. We're born now, here, or wherever you were born. You didn't choose how you would look. You didn't choose your personality, your learning differences. God chose those things. So we can all objectively see that there are things that are God's circle, right? Um, other things that are God's circle are <laughs> opening someone's eyes to salvation, calling them to repent and give their lives to him. Uh, there are a lot of other things, and I have so many ideas, but I would love to hear, does anyone have a thought about something that's in God's circle of concern? Only God can do. Control the weather. I thought that too. Natural disasters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sovereignty, knowing what's coming next, all-knowing. Anything else? Healing. Yeah, supernatural healing. We can't do that. Yep. What about changing someone's heart? Sometimes there are things, there are things only God can do. Sometimes there are things that other people can do that's still not within my circle of responsibility. So if you can go to the next slide. He gives others faith. He convicts us. He moves people to step into ministries that aren't ours to hold. There's a lot of things that we often take from the outside circle that's not ours and put it in ours. And then there's a lot of things that we might have in ours that we're not aware of that we, don't, that we kick out. So let me explain a little bit. Um, let me see where I am here in my notes. Hmm. I have two sets of notes. I have the slide notes, and then I have my note notes. Um, some ex another example of things that are not within our control anymore are things that have happened in the past. So a lot of us, I think, can walk around holding things in the past that we feel like are still ours to carry. Now, if there's things in the past we need to make restitution for, that we need to apologize for or write, that is our circle. But as far as how it affects us and carrying the burden and the guilt, that's God's circle. And there's a great freedom in this. And it's actually super biblical. So all throughout the Bible, you're going to see passages that show you God's jobs and our jobs. And I love to read the Bible this way. So if you're sitting down and reading the Bible, um, a lot of times we can quick read and gloss over what is God's job and what is our job. So I thought we would work through Philippians just to kind of do this together. So if you go to the next slide. Okay, so here's a passage from Pop. Super, super popular, super famous verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So if we were to pick this verse apart, there are very specific things. So I, I might have read this verse and been like, don't be anxious. And then maybe later in the day, I'm like, I'm so anxious. I'm failing. Like, I'm not a good Christian. Like, there's anxiety here, but the, the, the word tells me not to be anxious. 
But what happens when we do that? There are burdens and things to carry that are not ours to carry. So what if we slowed down? And what if we read it this way? What is, what is God telling me to do? And what are his promises? What is he going to do? Rejoice in the Lord or always. We can do that. Even if our feelings are not there with us, we can by choice say, God, you're good. God, I trust you. And he tells us again, rejoice. Very important. Also, be gentle and let others see your walk with God. Let your gentleness be evident to all. First, God's job, he's near. Sometimes we feel like we've got to chase God and get near to him, but he is near. So this is kind of that separation. This helps me. I'm not sure if it's helpful for you, but it helps me. The Lord is near. Bye. Um, do not be anxious to anything, but keep going. But in, this is how we don't be anxious. But in every situation, by prayer and petition. So we're to pray when God brings anything our way. So our job at our circle is to pray about all things. There's nothing too big, nothing too small, nothing too trivial, nothing too shameful. That we're to pray. This is our job with all sorts of prayers, all sorts of requests, all sorts of longings, all sorts of things. How do we pray? We pray with thanksgiving because of who he is. Because of who he is, we can say, and I thank you, God, that you know, that you hear, that you see, that you love me. Those are our jobs. Then this is God's job. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So he doesn't say, if you are still anxious, you're failing. He says, pray, lean in more, have a posture of prayer that is continually bringing you to God. And as we do that, in his way, in his timing, his peace will begin to transform our hearts and our minds. So it's not a once and done thing. It's not you're not failing if you're anxious. It's that it's an invitation to lean into the Lord and do our job while he does his job. See how this makes a relationship this isn't a, I finally learned how to do boundaries in my life. The reason why this is so amazing is because there is Jesus. Because there's a person who actually does things in our lives that are going to change our lives. That's going to give us rest and hope while we are faithful with the things he's given us to do. So um, I, I would like to share that I feel like over these past couple of years, there's been a lot of things that I've picked up that I think the Lord has asked me not to pick up, but I didn't pray about it, so I didn't even know. But when we actually start asking God, is this for me? Is this for me to hold? Is this my ministry? Or is this my burden to carry? We're interacting with this person who loves us, who died for us, and we're starting to get clarity in our lives. So there's some fruit when we mix this up. Some of the fruit in our lives when we mix up our circles is, um, maybe you can move on. Yep. Uh, some of this fruit is sometimes just being impossibly busy. In this constant sense of not doing and being, like kind of like I wrote down like a while ago, I'm like, this is impossible. How can anyone do any of this? We are supposed to be limited. That's a good thing. It's a good thing that we're not God. And when we try to be God, a lot of these things can become true of our lives. Sometimes we can't follow through with things because we have too much. Um, even that worry and anxiety and guilt. Um, a great example of this, maybe specifically for Mother's Day, is when um, we want our kids to be well, right? Kids, we want our kids to be well. We want them to love the Lord. We want them to walk with Jesus. Um, 
And sometimes we can confuse it to be our job to make that happen. Now, our job is to love them, to teach them, but it's not our job for their hearts to be soft to Jesus. That's in this other circle that now becomes our prayer life. And so instead of striving in a way that is not meant for us to strive in, we actually give it to the Lord and we strive in prayer. So a fruit might be if we're, and we're going to be worried and anxious and guilty, there's not an arriving here. There's no arrival of, of moving out of this, but there is a growing and experiencing the rest of God in this as we pray. So if, there, if I'm worried or, or uh, yeah, well, maybe. So if I'm worried or I'm anxious or I'm full of guilt, um, perhaps I'm owning something that the Lord is like, you can't control the weather. If you're flying somewhere and we're overly anxious and it's controlling the way we respond to people, perhaps we're forgetting that that's God's job. And it's our job to pray and to love people as we let him do his work. I'm hoping this makes sense. So trying to control others, that's another fruit, I think. You're trying to, you want someone to change. You want them to be different. And so you might try to control them, maybe even manipulate them, maybe um, not love them very well. In fact, you probably can't love them very well when you're trying to control them. That never works. So you give them to the Lord and you pray for them and you speak truth to them when God allows you to and you pray. And then you're able to love as opposed to living this life of trying to control things that are not yours to control. I think about this a lot with parenting because when I was first pregnant with my first baby, I didn't know anything. I was not a babysitter. I was the youngest kid. I was never drawn to babies or kids when I was younger. So when I was pregnant, I didn't know what to do. So I just researched my brains out. I just read everything I could get my hands on and it didn't stop for a long time. And I think it's okay. Like, I think it's okay to learn and to read. But when you learn and read apart from leaning on God and allowing him to be God instead of you trying to control everything, something weird happens there. You get weird. You start, like, thinking that you can know everything and do everything just right, and then your kids will be straight and be arrows. However, those are good things. But apart from leaning on the power of God to do what only he can do, it's going to drive you insane. Maybe your kids too. I don't know. My kids are still young. We'll find out. <laughs> oh, that was loud. So this is, I think, and there's much more. I'm sure you could come up with some things that when we mix up what we're supposed to do and what God's job is and other people's jobs, maybe not ours, these are just some things I could think of. But when we start leaning in to owning our things, and then entrusting God with the things he's asked us not to pick up, there's a lot of fruit from that. And we can go to the next one. There's this rest. There's a rest in our spirit when, we're think, when we know and believe and are growing in. I have a good father who's actually actively at work in the lives of the people that I care about. So when I pray for my kids and I ask the Lord to do what only he can do, make them sensitive to his leading, make them sad for their sin, I, I can't make that happen, but I can sure pray for it. And so your prayer life grows. And your sense of intimacy with God grows. Your closeness with the Lord grows. And even that clarity, like for me, like I, over the last year, I sensed the Lord saying, I think this is a change of season, and you are going to be able to put down some things. So this last year, the Lord made it clear that I am not going to lead the team with Ed 
for crew. Um, and that's a really good thing. So for five years, well, 10 years, officially five years, but um, it had been working really great. And the Lord sometimes will change those things. He will move things from circle to circle in different seasons. But if we're not praying and if we're not asking, we're just picking things up and going, we might actually miss the real ministry he has for us. Because there's a lot of things to care about. There's a lot of things to put our hand to, isn't there? I can be really overwhelmed. I am super, super uh, moved and burdened by sex trafficking. And there's been lots of seasons where I'm like, Lord, do I pick this up? Like, what, what do I do? Do I, do I go to vast? Um, do I, and, and you can give, so we give, but time-wise, emotional-wise, like, what do I do? And um, the Lord has been showing me it's legitimate and good to care deeply about things and to really be burdened by things, but to not have that be yours to hold right now. But it is ours to hold in prayer. So when I'm really saddened and burdened, but because we're limited creatures and he gives us only so much, then we pray. And the amazing thing is, is that prayers move the Father. And he's so sovereign, he's so perfectly sovereign, and yet the Bible's clear that our prayers move him. And so it's this really weird, I'm not going to be going to do this, but I might actually be more effective when I pray about it instead. Isn't that crazy? So there's things that happen when we start leaning into this posture of, this is mine, but this one's not mine, so therefore I'm going to pray for it. All right, what's next? Um, I think, I think it, uh, I'm not sure if you guys feel this way, but I have often felt that if um, I am not in a certain place in life or in my walk with God, something's wrong. If I'm um, not sure how to put this. But the point is, is that God is never turned off by the needy. He's never turned off by the dependent. Read through the Psalms. I'm needy for you. In fact, it's like the prerequisite for the very thing that we need the most. So if we wonder that God, if God is going to move in our prayers, if we wonder if God is going to do, if we let that person go to the Lord, or if we let that ministry go, does God care about it? Is he going to do something? If we ever wonder if living our lives that way feels too scary, or, or like, nope, I gotta keep doing things, I gotta, you know, hold things that aren't mine, the Bible says that God has already addressed our deepest need. That our deepest need from moving from being a self-centered, dead, spiritually dead, hard-hearted man and woman to being alive in Jesus, that is our greatest need. And he has already met that in Jesus on the cross. He has come and he has given us life and he has changed our hearts from stone to flesh. And if that's our greatest need, the Bible says in Romans 8.32, if he is already with him, he's already given us what he needs, how will he not also give us all things? So when, I, when I'm wondering, does God care about this? Should I just do this? Should I, or should I leave this in God's circle? Um, he reminds me that he does care about those things. He's already cared about the most important thing, which is salvation of his people and coming um, as a baby to die for our sins. And so it's comforting to me to know that our greatest need is met and therefore the rest of my life and the details of my loved one's lives, I can 
leave in his good hands because he's a really good father. Um, coming back full circle. So remember I told you about that John the Baptist quote where I just felt, oh man, I'm still super big and I don't know how to get smaller and I don't know how to make God bigger and it felt overwhelming and burdensome. Well, uh, he's actually doing what we're talking about now. So if we move on in context, John the Baptist um, was saying exactly what we're saying. God is God and I am not. And when we look up at God and see how big he is and entrust to him the things that are his, it actually makes him bigger. So the answer isn't to get us sort of smaller, it's to look up at God and pray about the things that he's put on our hearts that we care about. And so um, he says, a person can receive only what is given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that said, I'm not the Messiah. I am not God. We are not God. We are not called to worry and to control and to manipulate and pick up all things. That's God. That is, we're acting like we're limitless and that we're God. And we're not. He says, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm being used by him. I'm being sent ahead of him, which means he's being used by the Messiah in a very specific way. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends a bridegroom waits and listens for him. Jesus is the bridegroom. John the Baptist is his friend who has a very specific job. We are not God but we are going to be asked by God to do specific things that he's going to enable us to do. So we get to have a role that's effective for the kingdom, but to live in a limitless way is not what he intends. The joy is all mine. Whoop, where am I? The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. But it's not because he's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not anything, it's because he's a specific thing. He has a specific role in the kingdom of God and what Jesus is doing, and so do we. The one who comes from above is above all, and the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth. That's us, and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. God is God, and we are not. We're called to specific things, and there's a deep, deep rest in asking God for clarity of what those things are, the seasons of picking things up and putting things down, it's a really good thing. And so that's what I'm learning. I'm learning there's a lot of things that I would tend to hold that the Lord is asking me to put down. And in that comes this rest in this prayer life that um, we're going to strive somewhere. We're either going to strive in our world trying to make everything the way we think it should be, or we're going to strive in prayer with the God who can actually move things in the way that he wants them and that he knows are best. And it's really freeing and really good. So work hard and do the things he's asked us to do, but also let go of the things that are not yours. And maybe some specific prayer about that is going to be really helpful. I have some application points. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things you could do here. These are just to get some of the juices flowing. <laughs> Take some time alone with Jesus and ask him what he's asking you to do. Write down even the obvious simple things, the small things. Pray. Get in his word. Make some space to learn about the Bible more. If you need to learn more about your Bible, that's a good part of our circle. And then share him with others. What is he doing in your life? And then ask some trusted friends about their experience of your life and these things that you have picked up. We need each other. Aaron and I always say we get weird if we don't have each other. Like, not just each other, but if we don't have people. 
If we don't have people looking at our lives and being like, what's that? We need community. And so who is in your life that you can say, how do you experience like how I'm doing my life? You know, how do, does you experience me as um, worried or chaotic or fearful? Like just have a friend where you can ask these questions. And I'm sure that there's going to be some things that they might be helpful in. And um, yeah, maybe even helping once say, you know, you always talk about this but you never do it, you're always doing this. Like, perhaps the reflection is, would be helpful. Um, make a list of the things that you care about, long for, hope for, fear, worry about, that belong in God's circle. Write them down or, and pray for that. Again, the, the effectiveness as, of a praying Christian, because we care about things, but we're not called to do them even now, I think it's gonna change the world. God responds to us in our prayers of his children. So that's it. That's all I got. Thanks for listening, and yeah, God bless you.